0: If breakfast is the most important meal of the day, then why do some people still choose bland, boring cereal? Like Monotone Mike here.
1: I've eaten it every morning for the past 3,672 days.
0: Instead, why not get my two-for-four-dollar breakfast croissants with your choice of grilled ham and bacon.
1: Wait, did you say bacon? Yep, or grilled sausage, both on a warm, buttery croissant.
2: No way,
0: that
1: sounds amazing! Uh, Mike? Sorry, warm and buttery croissants always get me worked
0: up. Try my two-for-four-dollar breakfast croissants, only at Jack in the Box. Limited time only, price and participation may vary
2: and
3: then you know what? Four, three, two. Hello and welcome to an all new episode of the Spotlight. I am one of your hosts Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and we are here for a special episode. But before we get into that special episode, let me introduce my co-host. Now, this first Co-host that I'm gonna introduce in the black screen. Uh <laughs> it's a special day for her because she is finally legal today, everybody. It is Jen's birthday.
1: Go Gia.
0: It, it it's amazing. It's just amazing. I mean, I when I walked into the store today and they carded me, I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i am here for it to be carded is a privilege <laughs>
3: and one of the reasons why we got her today was she did all her partying during the weekend so she was uh nice enough to are you are you are you now uh, ready are you sober now
4: Can um yeah just barely
0: just barely. But, you know, see, the, 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 the trick is when you have a birthday, you're supposed to like plan a week before and basically never stop drinking. So it really just becomes one long party.
1: Yes, I'm here
0: for it.
3: Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, birthday girl. And uh, hopefully uh, you will not regret spending your time with us on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we're supposed to watch a movie together right on on your birthday.
0: That's right. Oh my God. Thank you for reminding me with those fingernails on the chalkboard. We need that.
3: I'll say this real quick, quick story. We do a show called cinema de fromage, which is a cinema of cheese. And actually we start our third season on Thursday and we pick these movies pre 1990 that are cheesy. Right. And uh, so they're not supposed to be the best movies. Right. <laughs> so and we we watch it review it it's a lot of fun right so she picked Jen picked this movie called Burnt Offerings where mm-hmm. I I'll say this uh, no disrespect to uh, your movie choice but uh, I it took me like three sittings to watch, get through it <laughs> so <you> know, <laughs> it was it was hard it was a tough task but you know hey it's part of the thing right some movies are great some don't. Well, our, our, our co-host on the show is unmercifully. It's him, <laughs> mainly him, never lets her live that movie down <laughs> that movie. But, yeah. but,
0: okay, but in my defense, we have a whole new season, and I do have two new choices, so I do encourage everyone to listen because I may, may just top that this season we'll see
3: yeah the the movie is the movie is very difficult actually i showed a little bit of it in get vocal uh keenan watched uh some of it i showed him the death scene the uh the, is the, he the... still
0: your friend now or
3: i don't know i haven't <laughs> talked to keenan since that day so maybe he might, he might have uh, disowned me so uh hopefully we're still cool after i showed him that but um so So the uh,
0: secret here is if you ever want to break up with anyone everyone just play that movie and i guarantee you'll never see the person again pretty much that's horrible
3: but see so i made made a declaration because i felt bad because she was getting bullied by uh by our co-host so i said you know what every birthday we're gonna celebrate it by watching that movie and i didn't realize that april 23rd was coming so fast so I'm, i'm starting to regret that i put that out there so i don't know if i'm gonna really uh I, I might have to give you money cash instead but uh <laughs> i don't know man uh, uh we'll, we'll, i'll try to get through it but uh thank you we'll, for we'll work
0: out the details later so yeah and thank you
3: all right that. That's <laughs> all right and join us we have a special co-host too uh she you know her from our, our monday show uh, Men and Women Talk to Mars Venus show. She's also a writer, one of the admins in the BAC writers group. It's the one and only Shannon Ford. Jefferson, how you doing?
1: Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Happy birthday, Jen. So excited for you. Thanks, Shannon.
3: Yes. So you said you had something for her. Is it now or you want to do it later or what?
2: <clears throat> sure, why not? Okay.
1: Happy birthday oh <laughs> uh, what I
2: thought
3: you got that, it, all that build up, and that was it
1: that <laughs> was I mean, the moon you just that put me book. on the spot. I didn't know I was going right now. could we do it later, like after I've drank enough water and I don't have to crack in the middle of a
3: okay, yeah. we'll, we'll do that we'll do that all
0: right oh uh, we'll shannon I, d- I felt it, so don't worry, I felt it it was you, call it,
1: you call it all in your spirit, all in your shannon no 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 no, no. <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, Whatever, she, wherever that is, I absolutely felt
3: it there. She waited her whole <laughs> life and that's what she got. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. All right. So enough playing around. Let's get to our guests. Uh, this, what? this lady is an author and she has written a book called The God Maps. And um, we're so excited to have Miss Yvette Kendall on the on the show. How are you doing?
4: I'm fine. How are you?
3: Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, the way that we love to do these interviews is we like to start off with the beginning to kind of get a background. Being this is your first time on the program, and then we'll we'll work our way up to what you're currently working on. Is that cool?
4: Okay, that's fine.
3: All right. So, where are you from originally? Chicago. Chicago. All right.
4: All right. Hyde Park, uh, where Barack Obama and Oprah and. Uh, George Lucas's wife, uh, Mel- Melanie Hopson, uh, That You know, it's a really, really, really nice area of the south side of Chicago, right near the lakefront. So that's where I'm from. Went to Kenwood High School for a year. It's a really, you know, popular high school there. And uh, so, yeah, I just grew up on the south side near the lakefront. And, uh, yeah. That's where
3: I'm from. All right. And as as some people may know, I know a lot of people uh, from Chicago. My my mother uh, resides there most of the time. And uh, my sister lives there as well. And I go there quite a bit. Uh, What was it like for you growing up there?
4: You know what? I I grew up, uh, my mother worked uh, at a place called Osteopathic Hospital. And it was right across the street from my grammar school. And uh, right... Six or seven blocks away from the University of Chicago, where her boyfriend worked, and he would kind of babysit me after school, before she got off work, and I had to go through the University of Chicago, and I would walk through the rooms and the classrooms, and they would do experiments for me. You know, me being a kid and it entertaining me, but it kind of ignited my love for for science uh, and, and technology having been exposed to that on a daily basis. So I, I loved it. You know, the Chicago that we are experiencing now is such a different animal uh than it was. I'm I'm 47. So I, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, it just, you know, it was just a really, really fun place to live, uh, being so close to the lakefront and things like that. So so yeah, I, I grew up at a really nice time.
3: Uh-huh. So were you one of those people at a young age that kind of knew what you wanted to do in life? Or did you find out later in life?
4: I had no clue. I knew I wanted to run something. I always knew I wanted to run a company. It just, you know, didn't know what that would look like. But the funny thing was I was always winning these contests, spelling bees and writing, poetry writing contests. uh, And I never, tied into what i'm doing now i just had a love affair with words uh but i never thought about writing them down <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: so i decided to be um i wanted to you know be an archaeologist to to be quite frank i, I really wanted to i i love the pyramids and mythology i walked around with uh, mythology book of uh, Greek mythology. And I I, I loved uh, reading about uh, Egypt and things like that. So that was another thing I wanted to do was be an archeologist. So what I'm doing now is just so far from what I thought I'll be doing. But it's funny how when God plants a seed uh, and it grows in the dark, uh, that you don't even notice what he's making you into until you have that epiphany one day and say, hey, let me just do this and see how it turns out. And that's kind of what happened. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I I was a a big, I I love history and I love archeology span as well. And um, it's so much mystery, you know, we're all writers on this panel, screenwriter, uh, Jen, novelist, as well as writer and Shannon, poet, writer, novelist too. And one thing about history that's so amazing that it, Um, just hearing the old stories and whatnot, it it makes you, it gives you more of an acquisitive mind and it helps you with your own storytelling. And um, Mm -hmm. I was wondering though, were you you someone who, you said that you didn't write when you were younger, but did you make out stories in your head? Were you a storyteller? Were you someone who did that?
4: Uh, I was a (laughs) over-exaggerator. And you know, it's funny now, but that that my story, the story that I wrote and the story that I'm telling, I get so many comments. Like it's so vivid, it feels like I'm there because of the exaggeration of it all. So I think it helped me uh, over detailing things helped me to write a better story. So mm-hmm. I definitely, if you would ask a family member, it's like if if somebody got bit by a mosquito, you know, I had this big old story, it was like the size of a golf ball. And, you know, I'm going on and on, it was like a little mosquito bite, but I wanted them to uh, empathize with the way uh, whoever was feeling about this situation that happened to them. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, can, can I ask a question? Sure. Who, who did you feel like as a child uh, was sort of your your go-to author when you wanted to read something? And did it have a big influence on what you decided to write later in life?
4: Well, I didn't, when I was growing up, you know, (laughs) coming from the south side of Chicago in the seventies and and, eighties and barely having one parent at home you know, reading wasn't instilled. It was kind of like, you know, turn on the TV, you know, don't burn the kitchen down, I'll be home.
2: You know, so I didn't
4: read a lot as far as uh, literary goes. I read a lot of poetry, like Langston Hughes. uh, is, is you know, someone that I'm just really, really attached to. But I watched a lot of television. I never played a video game in my life. Uh, I, I have no idea, I didn't even play Atari. It's just like, I just didn't care for stuff like that. I, my mother worked again at this hospital and she worked on a, a floor called Four South. And that was the, uh, the crazy house pretty much, you know, for mentally challenged people. That's what they called it back then. And um, she would give them all these um, materials to do art with. So I became really artistic, because she would give me these really, these green clay blocks. And I would, she would bring them home and I would just get a butter knife and I would cut them and I would make these little towns made out of clay and people and cars and grocery stores. And I just, you know, would make things out of pretty much nothing. So that was what, you know, I would just be, you know, grew up artistic. I was always making something, but you don't realize that's who you are when you're doing it for fun you know you never think you to parlay that at least back then now is everybody is parlaying everything into everything but back then you say, okay this type of stuff you keep it home and then Mm -hmm. you go and you get a real job or you go to school and you do whatever you're going to do so i was just very creative but as far as the literary goes i didn't have any examples of people reading books to me or, you know, when I got to grammar school, I found out about uh, Greek mythology and I, it was just like the Mm -hmm. best thing since sliced bread. I was, you know, with all those stories. So I used to just, you know, walk around with those books and I found out about uh, Egypt. And um, that's when I fell in love with archeology. span I was like, wow, I can go dig up gold. I can go dig up these mummies and things like that. So I think that just kind of really, really stayed with me. Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Jen stole my question.
3: Mm-hmm. How would how would you classify yourself uh, in high school? Uh, what kind of kid? Uh... <laughs> I was, uh,
4: you know, ironically. I, well, I was a loner. That's number one, and number two, I was kind of. I, I was strange to them because I really I had my thing. I had. Egyptology, I had mythology. Then I started uh, reading books about uh, King Arthur and the lady in the in the lake and things like that. So when you're in the south side of Chicago and you're walking around with these kind of these books that don't conform to what we generally see as African-American children doing, people kind of shied away. Uh, and the other thing was, I was, uh, you know, again, being from Hyde Park, you, you kind of do a lot of walking. You walk from your house to high school. You walk from your high school to lakefront, whatever. So you stay really, really, really fit. So I never realized that I was attractive because you know you have you you, you really fit. You have a really nice body, but you're a nerd. So I, I never, I never fell on one side of the yeah. fence or another. I kind of like hovered in the middle, and um, to this day because I, I want up being an inventor too. I've, I've I filed over 42 patent pendings and patents. Uh, I would go into meetings and people would go like, how attractive women don't do these things. You, you, they don't equivocate being smart and attractive. It's, it, it's somewhere, they're getting lost. So it's been hard being an innovator and looking out of the norm of the woman pulled with a hair pulled back in a bun with the you know looking very astringent so so yeah it, it's been interesting
0: you know so at, at some point you should definitely uh expand on that because i have to say that uh, this is one of the things that i think uh especially young girls young aspiring girls yeah. that are looking to do things uh in it, both from a writing perspective, but just anything artistic, they really struggle with that. So I would love and in, absolutely encourage you to talk more about that at some point. It, that's just so powerful.
4: Well, you know, hard, trying to talk to people is hard, not not because I don't speak to them. It's like, you know, people's ears are not generally open, especially when it's, uh, it's something that, that's not salacial, Uh Trying to get them to understand about writing, about art, about uh, you know if they want to be an archaeologist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, our culture is so in tune with these women being bad bitches that you know you can't if you if you fall outside those lines, you're not desirable even to listen to. And it's unfortunate uh, that if you don't, your package on the outside is not appealing to certain demographic that is, they don't listen to you.
0: Oh. I think they not feel like that today.
1: <laughs> no,
4: huh? you're bringing
1: all the black girl magic. So we are here for it, honey. Yeah, uh,
4: that's exactly, I was you know, just I'm say. being serious. And the funny thing is I have an organization called FBI Rocks which stands for Female Black Inventors Rocks. And so cool. the whole platform is to get African-American girls and women into the field of innovation. Uh, You know, not necessarily entrepreneurship that kind of goes along with it later, but Mm -hmm. a lot of women, you'll see it on Facebook, they own all these Mm -hmm. businesses and they're the boss of someone else's product. Mm -hmm. That's not appealing to me. How about owning the product that you then enterprise? yeah So having that conversation with them is 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 i fall on death eaters and i have a lack of support from uh african-american women when people tend to like myself it's almost generally always a man a black man almost always so i'm going like women uh tend to feel that you are going to t- you know you're honing in on their field or you're going to take a piece of what they're doing So it's hard to even partner in that way and say, hey, I I remember years ago when I started um, FBI Rocks, it was literally before the Black Girls Rock phenomenon. But so I didn't change the name because they took off quicker than I did. But I found someone that was friends with the owner or whoever it was, and she said, "Well, they don't want to partner with you because they feel like you're riding on their name." And and I said, "Well, let's back it up a little bit." They're talking about women in film and women in music, and they're talking about I said, "I want to have a category for black girls and women in innovation." Yeah, and they wanted no parts of it. So it's hard to push something to a forefront when when people consider you, you know, not not, I don't want to use the word threat, but again, riding on the coattails of their success. So it's really hard to get where you're trying to go.
3: I know. I I think I I think I told you this, but uh, when I saw FBI rocks, I was like, wait a minute, what's she into? (laughs) like like, (laughs) FBI? That's, that's <laughs> the enemy there, but uh, go ahead, go ahead,
1: Shannon. <laughs> no, I was just saying, I'm here. I support whatever you're doing. I'm here for oh, it. Thank you. I thought I was as I was reading your bio and checking up on you before we were slated to interview. I was like, oh,
4: yeah.
1: You already warmed my heart because you were in WBAC, <laughs> but look, yeah, I love everything that you got going on, and that's what yeah. we need to hear of.
4: Yeah, and it's not nothing should be a threat. I think everybody, you know, there's a lot of ingredients that makes one dish. They mm-hmm. all coexist and bring and bring value to one thing uh, by what you know. But people just don't, you know, just don't feel that way. So I actually, I'm I'm still innovating, and I have I still have things that I'm bringing to market, and they're they're awesome things. Uh, but when this story came about, I, I was sitting in my living room one day, and uh, the idea for the story came. And and I really didn't anyone tell anybody because you know I'm always I'm creating twenty four hours a day. People get sick of you made something else, you've done something else, and it's like so. When the story came, I had twelve pages that I shared with a couple of people, and they were like, "Wait, hey, you, you have something here? You know, just keep writing, but don't share it." And and you know, sure as the day is long, um when bigger companies start to get interested, everyone said the same thing, you got something, you got something. Yeah. So I'm so happy about the story because it it transcends everything about human nature and and and, and, it's, and it's wonderful
3: and, and and let's let's get into it um you are here primarily to talk about uh your, your novel the the god maps which i started reading last night and um first of all it's very well written what i've read so far uh very detailed a lot of uh really <laughs> i really enjoy it very vivid um Tell everybody kind of how you got the idea and also the process of writing it, and then also give us a synopsis.
4: Okay, uh I always say because I've been doing innovations uh for so long, I don't come up with anything. I think God knows I move. I don't sit on anything. Uh when He says something to me, I don't care what it is, I'm I'm on it. So the notion popped in my head and i was like wow you know this is really interesting and i was like and i said to myself but i've never written a book i can't write a book i was like i could probably write a story starter and i kid you not i started to even just write a story starter which maybe about 5 or 6 pages and sell it and let somebody else do the heavy lifting but he kept speaking to me he was like just write down what i'm telling you write down and it just like some days i was writing 10 pages a day. I mean, it was like pouring out. So the idea just, uh, it manifested. I can't say I was watching TV and I was like, oh, it sounds like, you know, it wasn't anything like that. And um, the synopsis of the story is about uh, five French scientists. And I don't know if anybody remembers the show Fringe. Anybody watch Fringe? Okay, so they were French scientists, meaning that they dealt with this, weird unknown things that happen in and outside of the world and try to make sense of it so these uh five scientists someone asked a question of, of where do our souls go when we die but they didn't mean that in an esoteric sense they they actually wanted to define the the address the latitude and longitude of heaven and hell they wanted the physical location so, you know, if that wasn't daunting enough, now they have to find a way to make this work. So they devised a way and came up with a a paired technology, a computer system called IDM, IDM trace 10. And they came up with a nanite mist. And what happens is people will come, will agree to come there and die. People that are already sick and they're in hospices and things like that they come there and they decide to die in the lab and they get any special pods that are hermetically sealed. Mm-hmm. And when the doctor says that they're getting ready to pass, they basically uh, engage a system and the system, uh, when their soul is leaving their body, when they're dying, the system tags and, and, on, you know, it grasps onto their soul is a nanite mist that's, you know, that basically it adheses to the soul and it leaves with them. So the system in the lab can track their soul wherever it goes in and outside of the known and unknown universe. Mm-hmm. So its job is to follow the soul to wherever it goes so they can eventually find out if there is a heaven, if there is a hell, and if it is where it is, so it, it gets a little bit more detailed in the book, but that's the the long and short of it is they are tagging and tracking souls to find out where they're where they go when they leave the body.
3: Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very deep, very deep, and I imagine you did a lot of research. Uh, no, I, I didn't. Really? That just all came from your mind, right? Wow.
4: It's magic. It's magic. <laughs> You know, I, I, I wish I could lie and say that I did a hell of a lot of research. I literally this book is written from imagination innovation, things I've just learned uh, through life, things I've learned about Christianity and other religions. Um, I, I, I the only things that I looked up is if I was spelling something correctly.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that's amazing. Cause it, this, feels, this, yeah.
0: it it feels very uh Isaac Asimov in scope. That's the kind of stuff that I would associate with Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Which is yeah.
4: which is high praise. That's super high praise. <laughs> yeah, I, no, you know what? Some someone from the New York Post, he had been there for 20 years, and I sent him some excerpts and um on LinkedIn, and he said that this to him. Feels like the second coming of Dante, Ooh. and when he said that, I, I just like I I, I was overwhelmed uh, because wow. Dante has shaped what we understand, you know, in vision wise about yep. uh, about religion to this day, you know. Yep. Uh, so that is a really 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 high praise. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, matter of fact, one of the at some point in the book one of the main characters is going to be traveling to outer space and, and uh, have an interaction with the black, with, with a black hole, you know, there's millions and billions of black holes, but I wrote the story. And I, after I did, I I befriended an astrophysicist uh, on LinkedIn. And I just wanted to sure up what I wrote. And I asked her, Hey, does this happen? Does that happen? Does, you know, whatever and by the end of the conversation she said i need to talk with you after you're done writing the book because the technology that you use to tag and track souls is uh applicable to us finding other worlds and universes so it's real life working uh technology that NASA can study and make into a real thing. Not for Mm. souls, but for traveling beyond our known universe and reporting back information. So the fact that some uh, astrophysicists found it reliable uh, technology was something that I was floored about as well.
3: Wow. Let, Let me find out that event's been tagging souls.
4: <laughs>
3: for real, for real,
1: <laughs> I got a list for you. If you want to, take uh, right,
3: it. right, right. Some souls we don't want to follow because uh, we don't know. What well,
4: I you know, you, you do want it you do want it because people, you know, now we're getting back on theology. People generally have an understanding that there is a heaven and hell, and there, mm-hmm. and some people believe that there is a limbo and people will fight back and forth that, you know, God never mentioned the limbo and it's either heaven or it's hell, that you have uh, Muslims that believe when you're dead, you're just dead, there's no coming back, there's nowhere you're going. So all this is figured into this book uh, with, hey, let's find out, you know, which religion has a right. So this is another sticking point in the book uh, that I'm sure will offend somebody somewhere that you are finding out that what they believed are their life you know may be a falsehood Hmm. and another thing that i did i gave um i gave an understanding to allegory is a science is a sci-fi understanding but i gave understanding to allegory that we deal with with religion every day that we just accept as face value uh, when they can have a real life explanation
3: to it. Hmm, wow. Oh, that's some very heady stuff. Well, um, the, go, <clears throat> ahead. go ahead. I, I was
4: just going to say, see, I, I, I
0: can totally sort of see into those lines going all the way back to Greek mythology, because yeah. that is so quintessential. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, it, what a beautiful Sort of forward projection yeah. of what you learned in mythology to yeah. sort of bring it into a modern day fold that's really beautiful i I just had to comment that it was gorgeous
4: yeah and that, and that's really, and that's what i'm saying i didn't i didn't do any research because this it has just been my life It's almost like uh having to research writing your autobiography you don't need to, you know what you've been through, you know what you've done you, you know what you want to do. And it's just writing it down to a point where it can be digested by somebody reading it. Uh, at, at a point in the book, uh, I even gave a sci-fi have to keep saying that explanation as to why you cannot look at God in His face.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: and, and and it was it's so it's so beautifully written. And I keep saying I'm a fan of this book. It, I really feel like I was outside of myself writing it but uh you, have you ever heard or known that people uh that have epilepsy or they are sensitive to strobe lights mm-hmm. if they look at it they'll get you know go into seizures and things like that well the human eye we can only see in two dimension one eye is two dimension the other eye is two dimension and together it gives us a 3d image uh but Scientifically, we can only see into dimension. So imagine God's face being in the 33rd dimension. Mm. So if we were to look at him, it would be sudden death because our brains cannot process. Overwhelming, absolutely. deep of a dimension. Mm. So that's some of the scientific sci-fi answers to allegory because they you know they never say why you can't look at, at god in his face he just said you can't and everybody said okay which you know it is right. what it is but i went <clears throat> behind the scenes and gave something that could be processed as to why or why not uh in the book mm.
1: yeah. now this sounds like a comic book unraveling to me
4: it is it actually has a, a comic it has a comic book adaptation and uh, the more I wrote and showed it to people, they was like, wow, this is like a graphic novel. Also like a movie or TV show. So I wrote the book, you know, once you read it, it's actually written like a screenplay. Wow. Yeah.
3: Yes. Um, So what was it like during the time of writing it? Uh, What was the process like and how long did it take you?
4: I wrote this book in eight months. Wow. Yeah. And I took two months off in between like two weeks here, three weeks there, just being, you know, taking a moment. So I really could have written it in six months. And uh I, I wrote it I wrote it in every day. It, and it was um, it just was calling me. It, it would not let me stop until I was done. And I didn't have I have one person to bounce things off of, but I had to be really careful when you are inventing and yeah. you're, People will put their story in uh, in your story. So I had to be very guarded as to who I shared uh, the story with because, oh, you should do this or it needs to say this. And I said, if you feel so strongly, why don't you write your own book? Absolutely. (laughs) You cannot write mine. You know, if God (laughs) gave it to me, I have to write it. I, I can't solicit other people. So I was very careful as to who I shared it with. Cause I mm-hmm. this book has nothing from no one in it other than what God gave me. And I was, you know, I, I, I was really careful about that. So the, I, I love the process. It was just me making up stuff every day. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? So it's like, I, I wrote and you know, a lot of it is factual, but it's sci-fi. So you get to, <clears throat> and then you didn't have any limitations because when I got to talking about angels, no there's really no record in the bible of what angels look like whether they they whether they're horrid looking or just fairly beautiful or they are morph of the two right So I got to play with things that god didn't talk about so I, I wanted to be very careful not to change what is biblically true i didn't alter anything the bible said uh but i did give explanation of things that were not explained
2: Mm.
3: okay um so when the book first came out what were the responses like
4: oh god the reviews are just i am just staggering i mean uh i got a review the other day by a, a man that's a former minister and he said this this book is too well thought out not to be reality
2: Mm. And you know,
4: so when you hear things like that from a minister, you know, it just kind of um, yeah. uh, again, not patting myself on the back, but this is a hell of a book. And number one, I'm writing three. Is is going to be in a series? Uh, so I'm writing. I started writing volume two two days after I completed volume one. Wow. Wow. Well,
2: yeah. Very
0: nice. Wow. Also, can I just say? uh go ahead and pat yourself on the back because
4: uh, i think you deserve it absolutely thank you yep. so much thank yes. you so much and it, it's, a, it's a little bit of it gets a little racy so i always tell people don't you know don't don't buy this book and give it to your 10 year old please do not right Please do not. <laughs> uh, I, it, it is technology this is my and it, it will say it in the, in the back of the book this was my love letter to science and sci-fi I like that so, so it is a lot of uh everywhere you turn in this book there is some type of technology or some type of innovation they mm-hmm. have um, the campus in which this story takes place they have cherry blossoms that were uh given to them as a gift but they are innovative cherry blossoms and they look like uh monarch butterflies so they're Ooh. not uh, they, they, they are the orange and the black, but they're cherry blossoms. So it's like I, I took every chance I got. I made something into an innovation. Even the the town that is set in it does not is in New Hampshire, but it's a town called Shadowmore, uh, which does not exist. So I could and I did it on purpose because people become very attached to your work, and they'll start visiting places. And I don't, I didn't want to use a real city and state and have them knocking on people's doors and out there taking pictures of these different locations that I'm naming. Yeah. So really careful about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Um, so uh, do you know how this all is going to end?
2: Already? Do I? Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> I know, uh, I know how this story ends and I know, well, funny, funny that you asked that. When I wrote this story, I wrote three pages from uh, the beginning, and I went all the way to the end, and I wrote the last page because I already knew what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have book two. I have the beginning and what that book is. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's a phenomenal life altering things in this book that it it really made me, uh, look at things differently. And I had a death in my family while I was writing this book
2: Mm.
4: and, uh, it just, it just made, it just made me feel like, okay, there's some more stuff happening. You know, after this plane is over, there's another place that you need to be. And uh, I was very, very ha- happy about, and, and the I think me and this person had a really, really bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And she came to into a dream about a week ago and everything that she was in life that made her such a horrible person, she was still the same person, but all that has flew away. So the person she, was meant to be the way God designed her in happiness and peace. She was available in that in that medium in my dream, and it was so it was so real and it, it was so clear. I called a cousin, and I saw she's fine. I just saw her, and she said the funny thing: one of your other relatives had the same dream, and they said the same thing. So, this book has given me an understanding um, about death that is not anything to be feared. I think people fear the process of death, the manner in which they die. I don't think they fear actually dying uh, or what's happening after this. You know, people don't want to go through the process of dying, which is understandable. It's unknown. So... It has helped me a lot, you know, it has helped me a lot. And someone told me years and years and years ago, and I didn't understand it till now, they said, write your books. If you have something to say, write a book because your book may be the only Bible that some people read. Mm. And I didn't understand that. And I understand it now because the book that I'm writing is gonna drive people to the Bible to either refute what I have said, or, to confirm it,
2: mm. and either
4: way it goes, they're now connecting with God, and they're not connecting with me, they're connecting with God amazing.
3: Wow. Wow. That's, that's, amazing. Awesome. that's
4: amazing, wow Look, I'm here for
3: it yeah so so um the Christians that have read the book, what do they usually say?
4: Well, you know it's such a uh i can't I, you know what I don't know who's a Christian and who's not. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> they don't
3: put that in a review, yeah. Well, no, like, I figure maybe you know some uh, specifically that. Right?
4: What well, the, the okay, so I have a a woman that is a staunch, uh, damn near zealot, uh, for Jesus, which is fine, but when you're a zealot for anything, you don't use any common sense, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and she is, if the Bible says it. That's just what it is. I'm not going to reason with it. And and that's fine. But you tend to overlook and underlook a lot of things that would make your relationship with God a real relationship instead of an obligatory relationship. Okay. So when she reads the book or read the book, she was, oh, it's entertaining or that's not what I believe, but it's a good book. You know, she has to interject that her way is the preferred method of, um, of having a relationship with God. And she asked me one day, her and a group of preachers, do I, do I believe in prayer? Mm. And I told her, absolutely not. And I said, but I pray every day. And she says, well, I don't understand. I said, I believe in God's will. I can pray till times get better. If he don't want that for me, he's not giving it to me. That part. So his will is what I put my stock in. Now, do I continue to ask for things? Sure, but do I ask for things expecting him to do it because I asked him for it? Absolutely not. So in the book, I wrote that um, prayer is just God's preferred method of communication. That's how he talks to us, and that's how we talk to him. And I look at it as a way to communicate with God, not to siphon things I want from him.
3: Mm, Wow. That's really good. Um, Wow. Um, Now, uh, there's some, I don't know if you can talk about it, but there's some uh, things that might be happening with this material Uh, Is there anything, what can you talk about as far as things that may be coming uh, with uh, the guide maps?
4: Well, I will say that there is some interest from some uh, large production companies and uh, some interest from some uh, very well-known comic book organizations that have an interest in the work that I'm doing. I I have learned working in innovation. I don't believe or say anything unless a contract has been signed. Amen. So, (laughs) right now we are in verbal status. (laughs) Okay. So, until I see a a contract and possibly a check that I can cash. Right. yeah. we we're, we're having
3: a lot of conversations. Hey, yeah, they got a bri- they got a backup the brink's truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cool though, but that's great that's though. Awesome. That's great though. I mean, you know, I, I'm so I'm excited for you because uh you know, just from you know, uh the part that I've read of the book and then just hearing your story, it's just it's hard not to root for you. So, yeah. you know, I want to see you do very well and you are so far. So, um, that's, that's amazing. Um, do you have any ideas for, um, any other books that you might want to write?
4: Oh my, uh, that I'm, that I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I actually have about eight or nine other. what okay. So when I write, I don't write just the concept. I have to write the first chapter. <laughs> so I have the title, I have the first chapter. Uh, and it has nothing all everything has to do with sci-fi but it has nothing to do with necessarily god maps um i was i'm writing something soon uh about a ai uh presidential candidate
2: mm.
4: and the thing about it is this this particular individual was technically born and raised in with humans and comes up in the ranks and decides to run for president. But the problem is people are concerned. Mm -hmm. Are they going to usher in the rise of the machines or are they going to do what's best for humankind? So that's kind of the basis of how the story is going to start and kind of everything could happen because of someone of that nature not being human, but raised with humans and having, you know, empathy for humans. Will that withstand if they are technically artificial intelligence?
3: It sounds like the Pete Buttigieg, uh story. <laughs> <laughs> that guy don't seem real. <laughs>
4: So so yeah, it's just you know, uh, to me the story the the concept of the story is one thing, but everything that happens in between mm-hmm. the page one and page four hundred or whatever is what you care about. So uh it's gonna have a lot of twists and a lot of turns and um yeah, I have tons of uh tons of stories that I'm going to be writing. I just kind of because this is my first the God maps is the first and then it it is going to be a series i want people to fall in love with the work so i can have a fan base for book two and then book three and then when i do bring in something totally different they are early adopters of my work
3: Mm. okay um
4: that they will
2: come Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. Yes. Uh, how much do you put uh, yourself into any of the characters? Is there any character that reflects you?
4: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> That's so funny that you say that because I was talking to somebody and, and he was saying, oh, my God, this character. Oh, my God, that character. And I was like, yeah, they're horrible. Yeah, they're great. And he said, but, you know, in essence, you are all of these people. Mm. And I had to stop and kind of go. Wow. Uh, yeah, I am. So there are a few characters um, that are real life people that I know. Okay. That I've changed their name and blah, blah, blah. But they had some type of humanistic defect that made good fodder for stories. Uh, so it's only a couple characters that are not me. So throughout the whole book, it's about 21 characters. So a couple of them are real life people and the rest are are all me. And the more I read the story, I was like, yeah, this is a part of me. You know, like even the one that the nemesis, the female nemesis in the story, she says some things about God and she is very she stands on her word and she does not believe him. She doesn't believe nothing he's doing or why he's doing it or if he's doing it or anything. And that the more I wrote, it just, it just fell out so freely, and I had to reexamine that I, I had some issues with God. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some issues that I didn't voice before, or I probably would have never voiced it, but you, you see people that put on costumes and they do things that they wouldn't naturally do these characters are my costume and I'm able to say these, these beautiful things or these horrible things uh, about God or to God uh, and not have to really own it because it's really not me, but it is. And that actually gave me a lot of reflection. uh, And I had to apologize to him by the time I finished the book, you know, God, I'm so sorry that, um, I accused you of this or assumed you know a lot of people have a understanding of god that's uh rooted in fantasy i was watching atlanta housewives uh last weekend and that damn marlo marlo was saying something to (laughs) and she was like you know i don't like your ball gown and you shouldn't have wore this and you should have you know you you seem the type of person uh, that should have worn this, that, and, she, and Eva told her, she says, you are speaking to me on the, the fantasy of me. What being right. mean on top model or that I'm a top model that I'm always going to be draped? Right. And really she's just an everyday person that wears, you know, stuff from target and Marlo could not understand how could you be, you know, uh, top so model. down to earth. And, and, and you, you're wearing flip-flops that cost $70. And, and Eva is saying, hey, this is who I am. Your fantasy of me has nothing to do with me. Yeah. So we as humans, uh, whether we were taught this or whether we developed this or whether whatever, we have to eventually identify who and what God is uh, in his actuality. And start over from there, yeah. And have that relationship with what he really is versus propaganda,
2: right?
3: Mm, wow, wow, man. So it's a lot of self-discovery during this process. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's amazing. Um, uh, have you ever had somebody come up to you and then be like, "I know this one character. That's me, right?" And and it wasn't them.
4: <laughs> you know what? Um, the book just came out. The book just came out on the 12th. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had all these experiences as oh, of okay. yet. I, I did have a friend that um was on Facebook with me, and I put up a photo of uh the comic book. And what, this particular photo had um, the male main character, which is the bad guy in the book, and the the main uh female nemesis, and then the main character, mm-hmm. and he inboxed me and he says, yeah, why does he look just like me? Oh. And I was kind of, you know, he is a, the the character is a tall, dark complected or dark brown complected, bald head, black man with a goatee. That could be Morris Chestnut. I mean, it's just right. like, you know, it's like, it's, it's a typical look for African-American men. But mm-hmm. for some reason, he felt it was him, you know, so uh, is yet to be seen, uh, what will happen with these characters because the book is so new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see, you ask me that in six months and I'll, I actually have a bunch of stories to tell you.
3: I will. I'm going to, I'm going to do that for sure. We
4: sure are.
1: And yes. you should be done with too, by then too. Yes,
3: yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So we, uh, the ladies don't even know this, but uh, we've come to the point of the show that we affectionately call Rapid Fire and the way that Rapid Fire works. this I, I believe this is Shannon's first time doing Rapid Fire. The way it works is that we will pepper you with questions. Maybe not necessarily about your book. Uh, we don't get too personal. So uh, okay. it'll be me, uh, Jen, and then Shannon will keep going around and around. So are you ready for some Rapid Fire?
1: I am. I'm All here right. for it.
3: All right. So uh, I always start off a couple of years ago at Coachella, there was a hologram concert for the rapper Tupac. What dead artist or band would you like to see a hologram concert of?
4: Uh, it is uh, Maurice White. Earth, Earth mm. White.
3: Yes. Oh, okay, I love it. I, I love yeah. Earth, Wind, Fire. All right, go ahead, Jen.
0: All right, <clears throat> uh, as a child, almost everyone knows uh, a fable or Aesop's fable. What was your favorite fable?
4: Um my favorite one uh was of Narcissus. Do you remember that one? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, he said he's going no. Uh <laughs> Do you want to uh, tell the story?
0: <laughs> no, please. This is your moment. You tell okay. us the story. So na-
4: Narcissus basically was uh, a-, a boy that fell in love with his own reflection, uh, <clears throat> looking at it in a song. And I-, I think he stayed there forever because <laughs> he fell in love with his reflection. And um, that's where the word actually comes from, to be a narcissist. Hmm yeah no
0: just just so you, just so you know the way i heard it when my mom told it to me was there's a lesson in all of this yeah. narcissists drowned in that pond
4: so don't get happen, too yeah.
0: into yourself or you might not yeah
4: somewhere. it's like he stayed okay. yeah he fell in love with his image and he he he, he died at that pond. he wouldn't believe yeah. it yep. right and, uh, so it was a really really interesting uh story so yeah
2: that's awesome. I
1: Okay, Um, if you had any good advice for other little black girls who wanted to innovate, what would it be?
4: I would start writing it down. Uh, That's one of my things, write it down and make it plain. It's like, it has to be real to you before it's real to someone else. And don't share, Uh, you know, tell your parents and sometimes even your parents will step on your dreams. uh, don't share with too many people because their interjections and their projections will uh, make you stop what you're doing. Uh, but write it down and move in silence and just continue to build upon it uh, day, every day, every week, every month until you feel uh, comfortable enough to where it is. Because people people don't have vision. Yeah.
2: Uh,
4: I used to work in real estate when I was in Chicago and I can't tell you the people that could not go into a house that needed to be painted or need to be recarpeted or uh, kind of remodeled, they couldn't see it. So mm. if it was not completely finished, they wouldn't buy into it. Right. That is very much like with your dreams. That's why people don't jump in on startups and grassroots. All they see is work and all they see is non possibility. Right. So Once you're done, here come all these people piling on. Well, what can I do for you? How can I help? And you really don't need to help. So unfortunately, you have to make it look almost finished before you expose it. So that would be my suggestion, is to uh, make it real for yourself and then for other people before you expose it.
3: Yeah, people don't get things in the abstract, that's for sure. No, No, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so what is your favorite guilty pleasure junk food?
4: <laughs> I uh it's so funny. Uh I like uh ranch sunflower seeds with uh, David? With ice Yes, only David. Uh with ice <laughs> Yeah, I keep I keep those. <laughs> mm-hmm. All,
3: right. All right, Jen.
0: Okay, uh, alive or not? Who's the one person that you could think of that you would like to eat lunch with? Mm. Nikola Tesla.
1: Mm. Ooh, good one. That's a real good one. Yeah. I'd take his brain too.
2: Yeah, <laughs> All right.
1: sure. Okay, so mine is kind of similar to that. Um, if there was a movie being made about your life, who would you like to play you alive or dead?
4: I, I knew you guys were gonna ask this question. And I was I was prepared, I don't know how I knew, but I knew it was gonna come up. I would like um, Jill Scott.
1: Really? You my sister girl, cause Jill Scott on oh, any day of the week. Yeah, or
4: I, I I would like Jill Scott only because it takes a certain type of fortitude to do some of the things that you do to separate yourself from the pack.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And you need someone that has that in order to endure, uh, you know, your story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. Shout out from Jilly from Philly. I'm here
4: for it. All right.
3: Um, where are you based out of right now?
4: I am in Grayson, Georgia.
3: Grayson, Georgia. Okay, you've been there for a while?
4: I just got this side of town, but uh, I formerly lived in Duluth, so I've been here about four years.
3: Okay, well, we'll do Chicago then. We'll do uh, Chicago, where you're from. Um, Okay, this is the final question. Okay, you gotta help a brother out, (laughs) all right? A young man is taking a young lady out uh, in your neck of the woods in Chicago, and he's going to you for advice. So set up the perfect date that he can take this young lady out on this, on the first date he's trying to impress her.
4: Okay. Oh, I, I hate that. I don't know who this woman is. Uh, <laughs>
3: Let's say okay. she's a, a lot like yourself. We'll do
4: it. Okay. So so if it was me, you know, Hyde Park ride or die. My fir- the first place you got to take me is to the lakefront. Mm, okay. And I want to go to the point. I want to go to uh, the house that's right at the top of the point. And I want to sit out there while the wind is blowing and the water's crashing against the rocks. And um, after that, again, South Side, ride or die, you have to go take me to get some uh, Giordano's pizza. Um, (laughs) Look. uh, And, you know, I'm real simple, I'm real simple. And I need to, while we're traveling either or to or fro, you need to be playing some Donny Hathaway. Mm. You need to be playing some Peebo Bryson and L.T. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I mean, I'm really like, I want to go to a warm, dark place and I want to talk. I want I, I need to know who is in my space and I need for them to know me. And
2: yeah.
4: You know, so my, my thing is like really intimate. It's not a bunch of money. It's like I, I really want to get to the heart of things and that that's my that's my thing.
3: All right. All right. So if, oh, I, you're
4: not related.
3: if I take a if I take a young lady out on the on that date, if it goes well, I'll take credit for it. If it doesn't go well, i will say blame <laughs> it. <doing> <laughs> I'll be like blame her. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll go just fine. Thank you so much for coming on this program. Uh, It was a, you know, it's just amazing. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to speak with you and I'm looking forward to what comes next. Um, And what we're gonna do is um, uh, we have people in our chat room and uh, we are going to actually give out a copy uh, of uh, your book, all right? so. Uh if you guys are paying attention, press 1 in the chat. Put, press 1 in the chat.
1: I see 1. I did it first, so I should get
2: it.
3: And uh, of course Shannon and uh and uh, Jen are excluded from this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, I
4: got a new I, see, <laughs> I say, I you, if you get this book, whether you buy it or, is it, if, or if it's a gift, mm-hmm. please take the time and just read it. I, I hate when people get books, uh, you know, a year later. Oh, I'm on chapter two. I'm still so, <laughs> the like, book? Uh,
3: all right, so everybody in the chat, wait, well, there's a couple of people that didn't hit one. Um, okay. Well,
1: Aaron if you win, I won't want the book. Thank you. <laughs>
3: All right. All right. So let's see. Um let's see. We... I
4: have
3: a fact
1: living here with me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, she got a hard copy. Look, sign it and everything. Sign
4: still. Yeah,
3: yeah, I need to give me a hard copy as well. It
1: uh,
4: is so fabulous. I Let mean, let's
1: see. I have the you see you got the bag, got my I mean, oh, looking look all beautiful and all your gloriousness.
4: They have it, it's just a, it's just an awesome book it's just it really is it's an awesome
3: book. all right all right so we're gonna see if uh everybody was paying attention and whoever puts the uh the the correct answer in the um in the first uh first in the chat will get the get the book all right
2: okay so
3: uh let's see how many volumes will the God Maps have in total? Oh my God! What? Marisol, Marisol you the winner! All right, Marisol. <laughs> wow, she came back in in the clutch.
2: She
1: was like, "I got it." All right, congratulations,
3: I Marisol. I will s- send you out a copy tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so I just need to get your email. She's like, I was paying attention. and I love it. I love it. She said, "Not fair."
4: And please, and please review. You know, give a review uh, on Amazon or whatever, so people can, um, you know, continue to to look for it. I I would appreciate it.
3: Yes, I um I have my copy and I have it on. Oh, I have it on my uh, iPad. Hold on a second.
4: And you get you get color pictures uh, on the uh, on the ebook. The the, the the book has black and white pictures. Now, I, I hate that, but uh, the color yeah. is awesome. And I designed just so you know, the the lab. Uh, I designed that and, and a lot of the other pictures in it. Oh, look how beautiful that is. I did yeah. The, cover. It is the back cover. I did all that stuff myself.
3: Yeah, it's really good. Would there be an audiobook?
4: I've been interviewing people all day for the right voice. So yes, there will be an audiobook. I, be where, man, man. where do we interview at? I will read for it you. It has
0: to be a man. Shannon <laughs> wants to sign up oh, only
4: because only because the guy there's a man narrating the story. So uh, it has to be a, a man. And I'm looking for someone with. Uh, James Avery kind of, I mean, you know, James Earl Jones kind of commanding voice. So, let me practice. Let me practice. <laughs> I won't even call woman. Let Morgan me practice. Friedman. I got this.
3: Or Avery <laughs> Avery Brooks, too. That's a great, great yeah. uh, guy. Well, uh, thank you once again. And uh, how can we get you in social media? How can we get the book? And what's next that we should be on the lookout for you?
4: And any okay, bo- cool. book signings, too? Uh, well I'm working on all that, but the um social media as far as the God maps, I'm on Twitter, uh under the God maps. I have um say Twitter and Instagram, the God maps. On um on Facebook, I have my uh, Yvette Kindle um, sci-fi author. Uh, on there and then it has a business page uh, for the God maps so you can reach through there and what was the, what was the next question?
3: Um, what's the next thing we should be on the lookout for?
4: Well again I have uh, book two is going to be coming, oh the comic book, the comic book is going to be the next thing before even book two uh, comes out so I have a image if you go to the godmaps.com dot com, the image of the cover of the comic book is there so people can see it and I have artists from Disney and, and some people from Marvel that's going to be doing the drawing for the comic book so that will be the next thing I release and then the the, the, ne- the next thing after that will be um, volume 2 of the god Maps. and uh, what was it what was the next question after that uh, oh I mean
3: uh, yeah, how can we get it and then book signings? Any book signings coming up?
4: Okay, so you can get the book at Amazon.com. Uh, okay. You can actually go to my website and uh, purchase it there as well through via me through PayPal and things like that. You can go to barnesandnoble.com and purchase the hardcover book there. And book signing, I have to get enough people interested before I can set up a signing. So it probably won't be for the next few months, um, uh, maybe by August, uh, depending on how many people are really, really interested. And I would probably want to do it in Chicago.
3: Okay. Um, well, definitely in, in Los Angeles, definitely in Los Angeles, hit me up. Cause I know some great places for you to do it at, um, the S01 books, that'd be a great one. I don't know if you are familiar with them. Uh, yeah. that's a great place uh, and, uh, I can, I can check in Chicago, so. Yeah, yeah. I want to
4: do it. Well, it was just important being from Chicago. You know, that at least be the first stop. Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, you know, getting a following and if you guys read and share your reviews and and even put them on Facebook, I need to just kind of let people know that I'm out there. And you know, I don't know. I'm I'm so glad you said it was well written because I really, the editor basically just put in punctuation. So I, I I wrote this book from beginning to end. No one, you know, changed anything around. No one added anything. So That's I'm very well written. You, uh, I'm glad that you said that. Uh, so I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a page turner as well. So you yeah yeah I can't wait to like tonight before I go to bed I'm gonna uh, gonna finish to it? it. Yeah, well I don't know about finishing. I'm a slow reader. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a slow reader, but uh, no, it's terrific book
1: just a slow reader or
4: slow and tell me about the tell me about the, the x-rated part uh, people people have a lot to say about the x-rated parts. so when you get there let me know what you what you're
3: i will about. i will i might do a special <laughs> video about the uh, x-rated parts <laughs> so, so uh okay. yeah but uh no it's, it's terrific and um and uh so let's start off with uh jen how can people get you in social media and tell us about your website
4: you
0: can find me on social media on twitter at following bliss one and my website movies make the which i am just in the process of updating again with some new recipes and critical com. so join me there
3: i hope you have a recipe for thursday too jen because she makes a, a movie theme uh, recipes and nice. she, she's supposed to do a theme for each movie we review so uh she needs to do a rollerball we're doing rollerball on uh nineteen seventy five. So I
0: have a, I have a super special recipe for rollerball. really gave this a lot of thought. I think you will be pleasantly surprised. All right,
3: all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that. All right. all right, Shannon, how can we get you in social media and all of that good stuff? And tell us about um, your show too. You got a show coming up on the Okay,
1: day. so Facebook, Twitter, IG, Shannon Ford like the president, Hope Jefferson like the president. Um, I have five books on Amazon. They're all poetry. I'm working on my sixth book, Dismantling Daddy Dysfunction and All the Men I Loved After Him. Um Summerish of this year. I'm really excited. Um, it's about my father, of course, and all the men that I loved after him um i am going to be on dr vibe Show tomorrow talking about domestic violence and human trafficking okay. um for those that don't know i manage a domestic violence shelter and i am yeah. the lead for human trafficking in my county and then i will be doing my own show starting may 5th um the set apart woman um by a woman for women and the men who love them so awesome. that's busy uh-huh. a little bit
3: and you and said you had something for in. Nice.
1: Oh, Happy birthday To you Cha-cha-cha i <laughs> <laughs> All that
3: build up for that Everybody if you, weren't, if you weren't here at the share. beginning If you weren't here at the beginning It's Jen's birthday uh, Today she finally is uh, 21 now so uh, We're all happy for her She's a <laughs> She can buy alcohol without getting in trouble now So uh Dad, I'm day, then I'm
0: singing like "Thank you, Marilyn." My
1: role for you in real life. Happy birthday!
0: It, it, it's the thought that counts, and I really appreciate the thought. So, thank you from the bottom of You're my welcome, heart.
1: Welcome, Carol. Look,
3: it's the thought that counts. But was there any thought? <laughs> was there any thought?
1: all? No. Listen, Madison. Oh, oh you next watch it.
0: for next year. I do take twenties and fifties too. So, just throwing that all out there for you next year.
1: You got it, Jen. You got it. <laughs> We're for it, Jen. I'll take a 20 and a 52.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, you can get me at KentayF on Twitter. Of course, the website is IndyRadio.org. That's IndyRadio.org. And you guys have a great rest of your week. Peace.
0: This is Firefighter Raphael Porriet for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side like the awesome five cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating in locations only, Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs introducing new firehouse pairs pair your favorite small sub with a signature side like the awesome five cheese mac and cheese and remember a portion of every purchase at firehouse subs goes towards helping first responders firehouse subs enjoy more subs save more lives participating in locations only firehouse subs will donate a minimum of one million dollars in 2019 to the firehouse subs public safety foundation by donating 0.11 of every purchase